actually went to a gym post pandemic. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> I've 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 gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, I feel I, I'll I'll be okay at the end of the day. So, you know, I might as well. Yeah, was it scary though? Were you like you're in a gym and then you're like standing near someone and you're like I forgot that this is okay now or were you like freaked out the whole time? It was definitely a little weird. Like being around people again in general is like very strange to me now because I spent like many people, like the last 15 ish months of my life, keeping a very small intimate circle of people that I like could be comfortable around. So like opening up that like Pandora's box again of socializing has been legitimately more of an adjustment than I thought it would be like, I have to remember how to like socialize with people and like, you know, train my uh, my social batteries to just not deplete after like half an hour because like yeah. I, I, I forgot how like exhausting it is to like be around people all day. It's strange, dude. I feel you on that. I like so you know how we hung out last weekend, right? Yes. So we went to a fest and there was a moment where like we're in close proximity, like on the couch. And I had to like remind myself, like a little bit of panic set in where I'm like, I'm too close to people. Like, you're too close. Back up. Like some kind of alert, some alarm went on in my head and I had to constantly turn the <laughs> alarm off. I had to put the snooze button on like the people being too close alarm. It's it's really weird, man. Like I, I think I'm like almost 100% there, but then like you, I go into public spaces and then like it kind of goes back into like when I go to a supermarket, right? Yep. I'm going to wear a mask at the supermarket. So it's like weird because like we're in this uh, like hybrid thing now where, you know, I don't have to wear my mask all the time. But then when I do, it kind of reminds me of everything. So it's kind of weird. It's like I'm not fully comfortable one way or the other yet. No, I I totally relate to that. I think I'm going to continue to do the same thing. Like if I'm in a public place where I cannot confirm nor deny like the people around me are like taking it as seriously as I am, then I'm probably going to opt to wear my mask. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, let me see your papers, bro. You don't leave the house with your papers. I want to see your Vax card right now. Imagine yeah. you had to like <laughs> literally wear it around your neck or like tape it to your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> like that one episode of the office. Yeah. Yeah. The, this today I was at the supermarket, right? And like everyone's masked up, whatever. But then a girl walked in with her son and her son is like five and he has a mask on, but she doesn't. And she just walked in like it was normal, like, no, nothing. And then I realized, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, the Biden administration and the CDC, they've said, like, you can, if you're vaccinated, you could just do whatever you want now. But it's, like, weird because then you start to look at it, like, among <laughs> us, like, are you vaccinated or not? Like, are you are you sus? Like, yeah, are you an yep. imposter right now? Because you already know that the people who are anti-vax, like, they're the first people who would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the supermarket, no mask on, nothing. Like, they're just going to go balls out. So. Yeah, honestly, the biggest I've said this time and time again, uh, the the CDC making it so that a like the vax card is cardboard, and that it can't fit in your oh, wallet right. is like too yeah. like come on, bro. Like, oh, have you seen what God. have you seen what the Canadian vax cards look like? They're, no, they're freaking huge. They're like double the size of an American one. <laughs> oh my! I thought you were gonna say that the Canadians did it right because they often no. do things better than us. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that it was like it was like a driver's license. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here it is. It's in your wallet. No, it's so easy. It's more like your driver's oh. registration. Like, oh, it's, it's like your it's, diploma. Yeah, it's like a diploma. 
yeah, you got to bring a hard back to cover your your vaccination if you live in Canada. So, oh, yeah, boy. it was weird. Very weird. Oh, boy. All right, guys. Well, welcome to the Glintendo podcast. I'm Glintendo. This is a Nintendo slash Smash community, big brain, sometime peanut brain conversation podcast. Um, this week, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Pokemon stuff. Uh, we have some Pokemon news about the two upcoming games that are coming out. We're going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog, of course, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also going to talk about the Smash World Tour that is currently underway and one leg of it just finished. So, of course, because we're going to be talking about Sonic and the Smash World Tour, we have our you know famous esports commentator, friend, frequent guest, Kyle Rios, a.k.a. Koopa, a.k.a. the uh, host of the Cooped Up podcast. Kyle, how are you today? I gotta, I'm got i going to mark down this day in my calendar for the rest of my life as a day where I can forcibly make you talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. Like This is a, this is a big deal for me. Like No, dude. I- <laughs> the, the reason you're here is so that I don't have to talk about it. Okay? <laughs> if this was a solo pod, I literally was like, all right, if this was a solo pod, like sometimes I do the solo episodes, I just wouldn't have talked about Sonic at all. <laughs> I would have been like, bro, I'm not talking about him. You know what's funny? Actually, I want to say something up front because we'll just jump in with the Sonic stuff probably. Um, so my the first video game I ever played was Sonic 2 on the Sega Genesis, right? And so... I actually really love Sonic in a lot of ways, and I don't want to come off as too big of a hater because I have played a lot of the games, way more than some people. I've probably played some Sonic games more than, like, Sonic fans have played it. So, um, like, I 100%ed the first three games getting all the emeralds, and, like, that shit is not easy. So, no, not playing yeah, that. Yeah, so I played the heck out of a lot of Sonic games, and I want to clear the record just a bit because... I actually noticed the other day that for me, the thing about Sonic is that I love almost everything about Sonic except for like the actual gameplay, like the character designs from the main characters like Sonic, Robotnik, Knuckles. It's like 10 out of 10. Like there's are they're great, amazing character design. Who doesn't love Sonic, the character? And then the music is incredible, especially like in the early, like I, I like the, the first three games more when it comes to the music. And like not the 3D ones as much, but the 3D ones have good music too. Um, and I just love the universe, like the backgrounds and like those 2D games when you're just running around and it's like twinkling in the background. There's a lot going on, especially compared to like Mario at the time, which was just more like the animations all up front and there's not a lot of depth in the 2D games. Um, but yeah, so I do really like Sonic a lot. Okay. And I don't want people to think I'm a hater. <laughs> I'm trying to be as objective <laughs> as possible. But that being said, um, you're obviously the Mr. Speed fetish. The guy has some yes, kind sir. of weird sexual relationship with Sonic and the Flash and anyone else who runs really fast. And so please explain to me because I, I genuinely missed like all of it. So I don't really know what I'm talking about here. Like I know there was just a lot of Sonic news this week and I don't really know. All I saw was that cool trailer. Like they had like a cool trailer where they show like, you know, the artist, she's, it's like a little girl and she's drawing Sonic and then it fast forwards to like her as an adult and like she's a, a professional artist now drawing Sonic and then they show the dude running. That actually was like a really cool, emotional, nostalgic video. I, I really like that video. But anyway, outside of that, like what happened this week? 
Oh boy, you know, Glenn, this is for the first time in my life. I'm very happy to be a Sonic fan with a podcast uh, this week. So yeah, uh, so I've talked about it a couple of times, uh, whether it be on my own podcast or other podcasts. Um, but this is an anniversary year for Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic T Hedgehog, Maurice Hedgehog, uh, in some instances, depending on what. Wait, you what? Watch. Hold on, hold on. Pause, pause, pause. Maurice. What? Yeah, there's a. Uh, I think it's in the Sonic Boom cartoon. They make a joke where like think Sonic's. They say that Sonic's middle name is Maurice, which that led to hilarious. a joke in which Knuckles says, "I thought your middle name was the." Uh, oh Lord. Yeah, I listen. When it comes to Sonic media, I legit like Sonic Boom missed on on all accords, but the cartoon is actually really good. So yeah, I, yeah. I highly rec- it's on Hulu. I highly recommend everybody watch it because the cartoon is legitimately really really funny. Yeah, so. and in in similar news, Wario's last name is Where. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, so obviously, so, you know, obviously, like I mentioned, Sonic the Hedgehog is celebrating an anniversary year this year. Sonic turns thirty. Which is wild, and you know we the Sonic official Sonic Twitter again posted that really cool video, you know, because people I think forget that Sonic is not just a video game franchise, but Sonic like is a medium that covers uh, a lot of different spaces. Obviously, the cartoons are are nostalgic and iconic, depending on what era you grew up in. Uh, the video games, love them or hate them, Sonic's been around for a long time, you know, as one of the early, you know. Uh, great 2D platformers, but yeah, uh, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now Sonic has also branched into film. But people forget that Sonic has also had a long line of c- history in comic book in print media. Yeah, uh, right. Th- yeah, the Sonic Archie uh, run comics were uh, were fantastic. I am a v- v- comics is al- have always been like a very blind spot in my nerd uh, repertoire because I just don't have a lot of space for like print media stuff. But the few Sonic comics I've read, I really like, and the new stuff has been absolutely fantastic. From uh, you know, a lot of my friends uh, keep me pretty up to date on that. Um, so Sonic people forget that Sonic is just like you know, he, he's a big deal. He has a balloon in the Macy's Day Parade. Like yeah, and he, he's been having it since I was like a baby. Like I remember, yeah. I remember seeing Sonic and Pikachu. Like I don't even think I've seen Mario. Like I remember at the Macy's parade, like every year I, I remember just being a kid and that's when I knew video games weren't just like this, like unpopular thing. It was like Pikachu and Sonic had a balloon like next to Mickey (laughs) and, you know, next to all and like Kermit the frog and stuff. So, yeah. So yeah, the video that I saw, that's one of the cool things about it. It was, it was kind of just a promotional video, like kind of similar to what Pokemon did for their anniversary, where it shows you like people grew up on Sonic. And like you said, it showed like, the comic books, the video games, like it showed that it was across a lot of different mediums. Like this, this guy, Sonic, he's a conglomerate, dude. This yeah. guy is, this guy's not to be trifled with. There's so, a, 20 yeah, deg- so- there's a, there's a 20 degrees of separation, Glenn, between Sonic the Hedgehog and Michael Jackson. Like yeah. <laughs> how many video game characters can say that? Honestly. So, yeah. but, um, so that was really cool. But then a few hours later, there is an announcement of a Sonic the Hedgehog direct that is coming tomorrow, right. tomorrow afternoon. So, so that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Because I so, saw a thing. I think it's called like Sonic Central. Yes. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's a direct. Yeah. Nice. It's like, you know, it, it's it's a Sonic Direct. It's like, you know, the Xbox, it was a PlayStation State of Play. Yeah. Like whatever it is. Yeah. So it's like that, but with Sonic Team. So it's going to be showcased. I don't know how long it is. I haven't read anywhere online of what the length of it's going to be. Um, but it's going to be talking about upcoming projects and, you know, all things related to Sonic's 30th anniversary, which has led to a lot of speculation. So. 
I have an article up in front of me that uh, I'm getting from Eurogamer.net, which basically, again, it doesn't tell you anything new information. It's going to be happening at uh, uh, 12 o'clock Eastern time, 12 o'clock noon. And so there's a couple of things that we know that's coming uh, that they're probably going to talk about. Uh, And it's funny how we mentioned it was a couple of weeks ago how we talked about that there might be a jungle beat style remake coming for, uh, oh, yeah, right. for Donkey Kong. But in that same <laughs> podcast, Glenn, I also mentioned that I would love a Sonic colors remaster on a yeah. next gen system. And yeah. they confirmed weeks later that a remaster of Sonic colors is coming. Wait, for real? They, that's yeah. like a hundred percent happening. Yeah. They announced oh. that a, they announced that a remaster of Sonic colors is coming. That got announced. I think that got leaked maybe like a month ago or so. So and, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And First that's across all. all platforms because that was a, originally a Wii exclusive game, right? Yes, I believe it. I, I I'm going to assume it's across consoles. If it isn't, it's 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 such a missed opportunity because that game on a next gen console is going to look beautiful for a, a yeah. late for a late lifestyle like you know life cycle Wii game. That game looks really really good. And Wait a second. So so you're you're saying it's not going to look good on the Switch? Is that what you're saying? You're on a Nintendo show, <laughs> and you're going to be like, no, man, Sonic's going to look better on the other consoles. That's what you're saying. I just want you on record. I just want to be clear that that's what you're saying. I plead the fifth until my lawyer gets here. So, but <laughs> To be fair, to be fair, <laughs> a lot of the, the like the 3D platformers that have come out like on all the platforms, like, uh, for example, the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, and like um, I think the, the new Crash game, like uh, It's About Time, I think it's called, yes. they all... They obviously look better on PlayStation and Xbox, but they actually look pretty good and they run well on the Switch as well. So, like, if for a Sonic Colors remaster, it's obviously going to come to Switch because that's like a huge, like, 3D platformers do better on Switch than on the other two guys. Um, but yeah, like, I wouldn't be worried if you're a fan of this or if you're excited about this game. Like, I wouldn't be worried that the Switch version is going to look like crap. It's it's probably just not going to look as good, but it's probably going to look great. That game looked good on the Wii back in the day, so. Yeah. So it it again it's 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 still pretty rumor mill but I think most sources are pretty much like stating it's a confirmed fact that they're pr- probably remastering uh you know it's probably going to be a remaster of Sonic Colors that's right. coming down the pipeline. Uh there's always the possibility of like another Sonic Mania game cuz Sonic Mania sold like hotcakes and it's the best Sonic game within the last 10 years since Sonic Colors in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and well, this is Sonic Generations. Actually, those two games are the last like two really good, good Sonic games. Um, so there's stuff like that that we know. Um, and then there's uh, some like real life stuff. I I, I think Sega uh, has. There's been rumors that they've been planning a Sonic the Hedgehog like uh, music concert, kind of like the the Legend of Zelda Symphony. Uh, oh, which be, yeah, that yeah. might be kind of insane, actually. Yeah, listen. that might be really cool. Listen, if anybody's ever just listened to any sort of like orchestral or like modern remixes of Sonic music, it sounds great. Listen, listen to the Sonic Generation soundtrack because it does a great job of like updating these like older songs to make them sound like they're from modern Sonic games. And just imagine that just with like a full like string quartet. Like that would be. Yeah. Sick. And then there's um, and obviously there's, you know, they could potentially show some more footage from the Sonic, the, the second Sonic movie coming out next That's year. That's what I was uh, going to say. Like, they're probably, yeah. their one more thing might just be like, hey, here's another trailer for, here's Knuckles in the new Sonic movie. Yeah, rumored to be voiced by Jason Momoa if they put, if he's in the movie. Well, he's oh, in boy. the movie, but there's a rumor he's voiced by Jason Momoa, which right. would be funny. But that movie actually just wrapped production uh, like a few weeks ago. So uh, that would be cool. And there's a new Sonic uh, series coming to Netflix 
next year. Oh, um, that's right. I did see that too. Yeah. And it was announced. So a lot of people were speculating, you know, are they going to announce who the new voice of Sonic the Hedgehog is? Uh, because uh, a few months ago, the voice of Sonic for the last 10 years, uh, Roger Craig Smith, who also voiced uh, Batman in, <laughs> in the Arkham games, I believe in one Arkham game at the very least. Oh, yeah. Um, he did. He did Batman's voice in. Um, so Rocksteady <laughs> did the, the Arkham games. And then there was another studio that did like another game in the series that people don't count as like part of the series and yeah i think he was the voice of batman in that other one because kevin conroy has been the voice of batman and mark hamill for the joker in all those like since the animated series and like in the games and stuff so i, I remember people popping off that ken kevin conroy was back yeah oh thank I god they got the voice of batman i believe it was uh i, I want to say it was arkham, arkham origins, origins? Arkham yeah origins that's like what he was in yeah that's like the other like some people, it's a great game, by the way, but some people consider it like not a real Arkham game because like it's like made by a different studio and it wasn't as good, but it was still solid. Apparently, I don't know. Yeah. So like I just want to and again, so there was rumors that uh, Sega was paving the way for live action Sonic the Hedgehog Ben Schwartz to take over uh, as the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. And granted, I would have been OK with it. Ben Schwartz is actually a really, really good voice actor. Um, he's for, I think most, most people will recognize him from parks and recreation as John Ralphio Saperstein, um, <laughs> who, who is the worst, but, yeah. <laughs> um, he's actually done really, uh, prominent animation stuff. He's the voice of Dewey in the DuckTales, uh, reboot. Yeah. And, uh, he was the voice of Leonardo in the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is still airing on Nickelodeon. Right. Um, so he's done a lot of voice work. Uh, so there was rumors that I think Sega was setting him up to do that because DuckTales had just ended. So everyone's just like, okay, this might be a good time for it. But actually today, Roger Craig Smith announced that he is back as the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog, which I am super pumped about because he's the longest running voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. I think Jason Griffith only did the voice for like uh, like maybe half at that time. And I truly I forget the name of the gentleman that did it before him. But right. Um. Listen, uh, Roger Craig Smith has range, man. He has Sonic under his belt. He's been Bruce Wayne, and he's been Steve Rogers in some of the uh, <laughs> in, in some of the Marvel property stuff too. And at one point, according to his Wikipedia article, uh, in an episode of American Dad, he was the voice of Guy Fieri, which is oh, like, come God. on, range. that's hilarious. Range, that is so funny. Baby. <laughs> so, so wait, so when did when did uh, Roger Craig Smith? When was the last time he was Sonic in a video game? Uh, what, uh, well, do you count Super Ballpark. Smash Brothers? <laughs> oh, like, so in Ultimate, that's him? Yes. He was the okay. voice of Sonic in Smash 4, so that voice carried over. So they just carried him over. Okay, cool. Yeah, he, he's been the voice since uh, – let me pull up. I have the article up in front of me. He's been the voice of Sonic uh, actually since uh, Sonic Colors. Sonic Colors was his debut. Interesting. So, I never noticed that they changed his voice because like – yeah, I never noticed that. It's very then, it, you. You can definitely tell a difference. Jason Griffith does a little bit more of a nasally Sonic. Yeah. Uh, when you listen, like if you listen back to any of like the older stuff, uh, like I'd say like Sonic Heroes or like Sonic Adventure. Uh, let me. I I can double check that, but yeah, like you can definitely tell if you like listen to the back uh, back to back. It's very different. Yeah, you know what's interesting? While we're on the subject, apparently Charles Martinet, the guy who does the voice of Mario and Luigi and Wario and all the Mario characters. He's not doing the voice of Mario in the upcoming movie that comes out next year. That's true. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow. Like Mario's been more consistent where 
it's unlike Sonic, it's only been Charles Martinet for like 30 years. Like ever since they've had, you know, Mario 64 might be like the first time that they had Charles Martinet, I want to say. Um, Maybe one or two times before that. But ever since Mario 64, at least, like that's like almost 30 years, man. Like, so I don't know what they're going to do with that movie. And like, it's kind of crazy, man. Next year is the Sonic movie, right? And then the Mario animated movie made by the the guys who did the Minions um, movies, that's coming out. And so there's like a Detective Pikachu sequel coming up. Like there's a lot of game movies coming. And like the, this, it's going to be this weird thing where like with Sonic, you have a different voice actor for the movie and then you have like a different guy in the game. And that's, that's kind of weird. Like I kind of wish that they would just have one guy do it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, uh, so looking through it right now, Sonic has had three prominent voice actors in a video game. Uh, Ryan Drummond voiced him from uh, Sonic Adventure up until Sonic. Uh, I think it was Sonic Advance 3. Two, two, so 2004. And then Ryan Griffith was the voice for, I think, 2005 through Sonic Colors. And then it's been Roger Craig Smith for the last part of the decade. But also in animation, Sonic has been voiced by uh, Julia White. Yeah, uh, a, a, a lot of people seem, seem to forget that, uh, but I never will. Yeah, he was Steve Urkel, right? In yeah. Family Members. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's crazy stuff, man. So, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that people are anticipating. You know, the, the stuff, the softball stuff. You know, things that yeah. we know about, things that we've heard about. A lot of people are anticipating Glenn, and and you know, rightfully so. We're, we're they've been hinting what the the next Sonic major Sonic project has been since 2019. So people are chomping at the bit to know what the 30th anniversary game is going to be. What could it possibly be? Now, there is some some people have taken some some screenshots out of context. And there's some like, you know, weird like blue hue and like the, the trailer video they show. And people are like, what if it's what if they break the glass? What if they give us what we've been asking for in Sonic Adventure 3? And oh, wow. I, I, I don't want to get my hopes up. I, I'm, I'm not going to because I've I'm I've lost all hope that game's ever coming out. It would have happened already, in my opinion. But um, I I think I think most definitely we're finally going to get to see what that Sonic and 30th anniversary game is, whether it's another, you know, whether it's a, a whole new concept, whether, you know, they take it from like the boom approach where they just give you a whole different thing, whether we get like a, you know, a, another solo Sonic game, whether we get a game of Sonic and friends, I don't know, but I personally, if, if they announce if Sonic adventure three, I might, again, I'm going to, I'm going to poop in someone else's pants, Glenn. Probably, <laughs> most likely. Keeping the show tradition on. We yeah. don't, we don't shit in our own pants here no. at the Glintendo podcast. <laughs> Why would you do that? Okay. It's all about, it's like, all right, I'll take your pants and I'll shit in them. I'm not shitting my own pants. All right. I paid good money for these pants. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that covers pretty much like what they announced. Obviously, like the, the, their speculation. And then tomorrow's the actual direct, which, by the way, I've been reading the Iwata, um, the Ask Iwata book. And, you know, I remember, just as just a quick aside, um, how much shit Nintendo got and Iwata got specifically when they started like shifting away from doing the live presentations and going, Hey, we're going to invent this new thing called directs where we don't do a press conference at E3. We don't wait a once, you know, once a year to announce everything. We're just going to have these like videos where we can control 
you know, the entire video and make it look really nice and run really smoothly. No more like Miyamoto waving a Wii remote on stage and it's not working and Link's <laughs> sword. And it's like really embarrassing. There's no more of that. And now we just get to control everything and directly, you know, speak to the audience or whatever. And I remember people hated on them so hard for that. And then now everyone does a direct. And now I'm like annoyed when someone doesn't do a direct because these press conferences, bro, like they're so filled with like annoying stuff. Like, you know, them trying to make like a show of it and like inviting random people on stage to talk. And it's always really <laughs> awkward. Like I'm not, I'm not about that. So anyway, Sonic Direct comes out tomorrow. Uh, God bless Iwata for creating the direct model and improving Sonic peripherally indirectly by inventing this model and uh we'll see what happens i mean maybe we'll talk about it next week but we already know that what you want is sonic adventure 3 um what do i want from a sonic direct uh i don't know honestly it's like what i said earlier where i'm like i love sonic the world and i love the character and i want to love the games more (laughs) so if they figure out how to make like a 3d sonic game that is like really fast and really fun and it's not on rails and it's not like the way that 3d sonic has been so far i I would be really interested in that for me that's like the only thing i could say that i would be super excited about if they announced yeah i mean look i it's one of those things whenever people ask me about sonic adventure 3 uh i it's one of those things where i feel like a i feel like that window of opportunity has been lost i think they you know, granted, I, I'll I'll eat my own words on that later, but I feel like if they were to do it, they probably would have done it by now. And also, it's one of those things where I'm afraid if they do it, they might not get it right. <laughs> because Sonic, for yeah. the better part of the last decade, has been really built around the boost mechanic. The modern Sonic games have really focused on boosting. Um, and, I, I, and, you know, the games that have strayed away from that formula uh, have been very poorly received. Although I will say that the console version of Sonic Lost World it's a very underrated Sonic game. I did enjoy what they tried to do with that game. Because Sonic doesn't yeah. have to be blindingly fast to be a good game. You know, you can give me fast platforming, but, you do, you know, it gets it is a little boring to, like, you know, sit and, like, hold a button and watch Sonic just, like, plow through egg ponds and then the frame rate drops. But, like... Yeah. It, I, so I, I just want something... I want something creative. Like, something that I would love that, you know, I know these games get a lot of flack... Um, I would love another addition to the storybook games. I think that would be funny. <laughs> like, yeah. like, uh, like, give me Sonic and like the Necromancer, or like, give me like, give me Sonic and like another like old wives' tale. I think that'd be really funny. Yeah, that's that'd be interesting. What if they just go like, all right, Sonic Adventure Three is basically just you know Sonic Odyssey. Like, you know how what, Lost World is the one where they they kind of ripped off Galaxy and they had like the spherical yes. planets, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So what if they just go, all right, we're just gonna wait for Mario to figure stuff out and then we'll just copy that. So what if it's like a sandbox style Sonic game? Like it's just a faster version of Mario Odyssey. Like, <laughs> you know listen, what the thing hey, is? Sorry, go ahead. What's no, your impression listen, of that? Well, I was, I was going to say, listen, if you, if you talk to most people in our age, you know, generation, uh, Glenn, like, you know, what do people swear by? The Chow Garden. Okay. Oh, What's the that's Chow right. Garden? It's just people walking around doing yeah. absolutely nothing, <laughs> you know, petting Chow's. <laughs> Throwing them into the lake, training them, you know, training them to be trained fighters. So, like, I think people would really receive an open, you know, world, you know, sandbox Sonic game very well. The thing about the thing about Sonic is that the team has to realize that at this point in Sonic's career, they have nothing to lose. (laughs) 
I agree. Like, just go balls out with like a super experimental idea because dude, at this point, like it's really hard for you to like, you know, make games that are worse than like Sonic and the Black Knight or like Sonic um, and the Secret Rings. You know what I mean? Like, or Sonic 06. Like it's hard to, to beat that. So, you know, just go with some crazy idea and we'll see what happens. I will um, die. I will die on the hill. That Black Knight is fun. I will. I will admit that that game. Is, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that game a lot more than I thought I would. I got it at ten dollars at a Hess gas station in North Carolina, and I don't regret that purchase at all. Sonic and the Secret Rings is one of the worst games I've ever played in my entire life, and I will die yeah. on that hill equally <laughs> as much. On Rails is not fun, but On Rails is fun when you have a giant sword of Excalibur. That's all. Uh, the I'm thing. I, the key thing I got from that was Sonic is fun. If you paid ten dollars for it, max. Okay, <laughs> nailed it. There we go. So, all right. So that's all Sonic stuff. All right. We spent a lot of time on Sonic. All right. He timed us out in the podcast. This is what he does. <laughs> We're moving on to uh, the Smash World Tour, which just um, a one leg of it took place this past weekend, and just a brief um, kind of if if you're not following Smash like super closely, I'll explain why this is like. A special tournament and why it's interesting to talk about even if you're not into competitive smash that much so obviously um things changed because of covid but even before covid there was this plan to do a smash brothers tournament that was like a worldwide circuit and basically what they did was they divided each major country into like sub-regions and so there would be like a tournament for each sub-region and then the winners of that of each sub-region uh tournament would kind of compete in a bigger tournament, like a top just 32 players. And I'm not exactly sure what the exact number is, but it's something along those lines. And so there's a lot of money involved. There's like, this is probably the most prize money I've seen personally for a Smash event. It's like over $150,000 um, in overall prizes if you combine like the prizes for Melee, the prizes for Smash Ultimate. And so um, this was already in the works early 2020 and late 2019, but then the pandemic hit. And so they decided to do something really interesting, which is they turned it into like this hybrid event. So what happened is they, the first part of this tournament is actually done online. The part where they, they divide each region into subgroups, into little subregions, and then doing the re, those subregional tournaments are done online. But then the winners of each of those subregions, when they combine into that, that bigger bracket, um, that's going to be offline. And it's going to be like the first big offline tournament of like top level players since the pandemic hit. So uh, our Northeastern little sub-regional tournament just finished this past weekend. And of course, our boy, our local legend, Tweak Gavin Dempsey himself. He's, <laughs> he bodied everybody with Diddy Kong. And um, obviously, Tweak has been like a top five player, top three player since Ultimate has come out. Everybody knows he's got like... But for me and you, I think specifically, it's got to be kind of surreal because you remember like our where we met. We've we've covered where we met and the origin. I'm not going to retread that that story because it's hilarious. But I'm not going to yes. do that. But <laughs> it was at this event in in uh, in Jersey um, called Hitbox Arena, and it used to run every Tuesday, and people would go there. And I remember there was like this little kid that would go, and he would play Bowser Jr. And he would be, he was beating people with Bowser Jr. And Bowser Jr. was considered like trash, like one of the worst characters in the game. And this is obviously Smash 4 on the Wii U. And then, you know, by the end of Smash 4, that same kid 
becomes a god and starts beating everybody. And it's like this, just this dude who was in our local tournaments. Like I feel a personal like pride and like, I feel really proud of being like, dude, we saw tweak come from our little circle of smashers and like be just dominate everybody. So him winning the Northeastern leg of this thing is super sick. Um, obviously Leon, the Bowser player, best Bowser in the world. He's another Jersey guy. He's, he was top three. Second place was a, a nest player called syrup who I never heard of, but apparently he's 13 years old. And I think apparently I played him in bracket like over a year ago and I bodied him and I had no idea. Somebody told me that that happened (laughs) and I never knew. And apparently since then he's become godlike and like he got second place and he took tweak to game five. So he's another, like another legendary player in the making. Um, But anyway, so this tournament's really cool and it's definitely, definitely watch the melee side of it and like the upcoming there's still those sub-regional events. Like, they're not all done. Only the Northeastern one, I think, is done so far. Um, so definitely keep an eye on that. But the reason I wanted to pr- talk to you about this is because you, Mr. Famous Commentator Guy, you got uh-huh. to commentate this one part of this tournament. Uh, which block did you commentate, actually? So um, just for reference sake, I actually commentated uh, at least – I think I only missed uh... – two legs out of the 10 weeks we did the uh, online qualifiers. So I was on board for uh, a lot of these tournaments. Um, f- so the way that it worked is that, you know, uh, the online portion of the smash world tour was uh, organized by VG bootcamp, who is the premier super smash brothers stream and uh, you know, t- tournament organizers and such. Um, so they reached out to me uh, back in April. We were like, Hey, we want to have you on uh, the circuit. And you know, it was, me and about nine other guys and we rotated every, you know, every week, you know, every, uh, every week there's a different online qualifier. We each would rotate blocks and times we'd commentate at. So for the Northeast tournament, I actually got to commentate a good portion of the top eight of this tournament, um, which is really cool. And obviously very surreal that top three, uh, was somehow also all New Jersey. And I was like, wow, this is like, (laughs) this is absolutely insane. And the Northeast qualifier in particular, uh, was a lot because of the way how the regions were all split up because um, the Midwest is like a very strong region for Super Smash Brothers. And there was no Midwest qualifier for this. They divided up everything by, you know, Northeast, uh, Southeast, uh, Southwest and Northwest. So a big chunk of the Midwest be, you know, Ohio, um, you know, various parts of, of, of you know, middle to Eastern uh, uh, Canada uh, were all a part of, and, and, and uh, I think south of Virginia, I think Virginia was also part of, uh, you know, Virginia North was part of this. So there was, you know, a couple of players like Armadillo, who's a Lucario main from Quebec, Wadi, uh, you know, uh, top Rob player from Virginia, uh, Riddles, uh, top Terry uh, from Ontario, uh, you know, qualified as well. So I got to say, um, the, the Smash World Tour all in all was, was a lot of fun so far. Again, obviously online has its... It, you know, it is what it is at this point. I think it's, it, you know, there's there's no sugarcoating it. It's obviously a much different environment, uh, you know, compared to most things. But I got to say, it was a fun little snippet and a little peek into, you know, different regions and, uh, you know, how how their scenes play out. There's a neat little graphic I found on Twitter uh, by the Twitter handle at Meester Tweester. 
Uh, that's an odd tag. That's, dude, wow. saying people's ads, it's like, dude, why did you do this? Like, why would you make this your ad? That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this person broke it down to show all of the of the various regions. And to kind of go back to what you were saying before, so each online qualifier uh, would have 16 people qualify, whether it be, you know, 16 in general from that was one specific region or like, you know, certain things like Mexico and Central America, only eight would qualify because they would add together to make the 16. So all in all, I think 113 people qualify for the next portion of the tournament, which is supposed to be held offline at an undisclosed time. Now, from that, uh, I think from certain, I think from every region, six people qualify, except for I think it's uh, I think it's the Eastern Asian bracket and the Oceania bracket, where only one person from that region will qualify, and uh, so that will make up the rest. Of your uh, of your top thirty two, which compete in the Smash World Tour Finals again to be held at a later time this year, in which a champion will be crowned out of those thirty two people. And yeah. listen, to hold a tournament of this size in an online environment was wild. The Smash World Tour is one of the last big announcements we got before the world shut down last year. So to see it come back, you know, in spades like this uh, was was really really fun, and to have a front row seat, you know, to to commentate on it uh it was it was it was truly a lot of fun and i and i look i i look forward to what the offline portion of this looks like because obviously you know there's a lot of a lot of your favorites you know obviously tweak qualified uh leon DeBuzz qualified you know uh, some of your favorites like you know larry lur uh uh rivers esam you know M- mk leo uh spargo so a lot of familiar names if you're familiar with uh you know offline super smash brothers so i'm really uh, excited to see how all these guys perform and maybe shake off the rust of not playing in person for a while. So it's going to be cool. Yeah. That, I mean, dude, I'm going to be honest. Like I tuned in and I got to see like most of, uh, the top eight and then, and then obviously like just grants was so exciting. And I was like, dude, I forgot. I really took for granted how much I love watching tournaments because like now that tournaments were gone for so long, like real, like high stakes tournaments like this, I was like, man, it's so good to hear everybody's voice again and, like, you know, hear you and TK and everybody, like, everybody who I'm used to hearing commentate events. It was so hype, man. Like, I'm I'm just so glad that we're going back to a time where, like, this is just going to become regular again. And then when it when we have, like, the offline portion of this, dude, this is going to be an insane tournament. Like, it's going to be so exciting because of how, like, it was put into circuits and it wasn't it wasn't just, like, Usually what we'd have is like an Evo, right? Or like, mm-hmm. a, you know, a big event in, at MSM in California where it's like you would, a 2GG event, I mean, not uh, MSM. MSM mm-hmm. is their local on Mondays. But anyway, yes. so usually we'd have like, you know, Evo or like something like that where it's one big event and everyone flies out to wherever that event is and, you know, they compete. And those events are awesome. Obviously, they're super exciting. But this is really like, this is taking it to another level, dude. Like having a circuit idea on this big of a scale, it makes everything feel so much more high stakes. Like now, like if Tweak wins the whole thing or if Rivers wins the whole thing or goes really far or Leon or whoever, all of I feel like they worked almost harder to get there and it makes it so much more epic. Like this is such a cool idea. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. And just on the topic of that, just to kind of like – speak from a personal experience for this like if there's something that i got out of the smash world tour is that i think i can confidently say that i am truly excited to go back to events again 
And like, that's kind of been something I've been struggling with, you know, just to get, you know, get real for a second. Uh, but that, that, that has been something I think I've struggled with as we've gone through the pandemic, you know, because uh, 2021 is my seventh year in the Super Smash Brothers community, Glenn. I've been playing since 2014. Quick math. So, you know, I've been doing a, a large portion of my adult life has been spent playing Super Smash Brothers. And, you know, over the summer, you know, whether it be from from burnout, you know, my and, you know, being in a different place in my life now than I was, you know, seven years ago, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, is this really something that I want to continue to do? And right. Like, you, and, and, you know, and, you know, keep going with because, I, you know, if 27, if you're 27 and playing Super Smash Brothers, you're considered ancient by the, by your peers so dude, if you're 25 and playing smash brothers you're considered ancient bro <laughs> yeah so like it's one of those things where i was just kind of like you know uh am i still really cut up for this you know imposter syndrome whereas reuse its ugly head every now and then because you know i'm a commentator who didn't really do a lot of commentating over quarantine you know for various reasons whether it be my own or, or other factors and you know being on the smash world tour getting an opportunity to get my chops wet and even this, especially this past week, being able to watch people that, you know, we know and that I know and I've gotten an opportunity to, like, you know, hang out with and, and get to know on a personal level, you know, seeing them still continue to to, to get it done really kind of, like, lit a fire under me. And then, you know, play, hang, we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we, we hung out with each other for the first time, you know, played Smash together in person for the first time in a while. And the game is still so much fun when I don't have to play it, you know, through a computer. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I definitely went from being a little timid on whether I – you know, really want to go back and keep going with this to now being both feet in being like, yes, I'm, I'm ready. I'm very excited. Yeah, man. I, I feel the same way. First of all, I'm only one year younger than you in terms of how long I've been in the community. I started like, I think I started in 2015. And so like early 2015, maybe. Um, and I feel the same way where like towards, I remember before the pandemic happened, like I was kind of feeling burnt out and I was already kind of like, I don't know if I want to keep going to tournaments and stuff, but the pandemic put everything into perspective, bro. Because once you have to be away from things like that, it made me really like look back and think like, wow, man, I really love the fact that we can go and compete. And even if we're not competing, it's just having that friend group and, and like going places and hanging out and like playing the game and watching sets like the, the smash community as much shit as like, you know, we get some deservedly and some not deservedly. Sure. It's an amazing community. Like it's unbelievable. It's godlike. So I'm the same way. Like now I'm like, I can't wait. Like I have my first local tournament offline, like in-person tournament in over a year happening early June, first week of June. Um, and I can't wait. Like, I just can't wait to see everybody. And like, it's just something that I think I'm going to keep in my life forever because it's like part of my sanity now. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, <laughs> like, I agree. I don't actually fit in, in a lot of places in life. <laughs> and like, I don't know if people find that surprising, but it's like, really like, there's something about the smash community where I really feel at home there, like 98% of the time. And I'm never going to give that up in my mind. Like maybe I won't compete as hard and maybe I won't be as like serious about trying to win all the time or whatever. But in terms of like going to events and trying to support the community and like seeing my friends and stuff, like I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm just at this point, I'm kind of just like, this is going to be something I'm going to keep as like a corner of my life forever. So yeah, the smash world tour is sick and 
definitely tune in to watch that. The melee side of it is going to be insane, dude. Melee is just, dude, that game is so fucking sick. The fact that it's so big still. Yeah. And no, I agree. it's, 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 it's going to be amazing. Yeah, as a spectator sport, Melee still is like reign supreme. The game is absolutely fantastic. And it's been really fun to watch during quarantine, too, because of, you know, the Slippy League and all like the various, uh, you know, LAN events they've been able to hold. But yeah, man, listen, I I echo your sentiment on a lot of things. And, you know, while no community is perfect and obviously there's still, you know, a a bunch, you know, tons of work to be done, you know, within this match community, amongst other things. Um, I'm it's it's again it, it's home to me you know yeah I, right. like you know like yeah. you I'm as uh it was really hard for me to embrace like being a nerd when I graduated from high school because you know <laughs> I had suppressed that part of my of my personality so hard you know because that's what I was told would help me you know fit in better by multiple people and you know they're all wrong now because guess who's a D-list celebrity on the internet commentating video game tournaments it's this guy <laughs> it's me so you know being able to like fully you know find a a home of misfit toys you know amongst a, a group of of you know bumbling loving idiots that is my friends in the smash community i'm i'm very excited uh you know to eventually be able to populate these tournaments and you know uh be able to like you know full both feet in have fun yeah this we're like sid's toys next to uh andy's house <laughs> the misfit toys uh, one of you guys is like the baby that has the the mechanical spider body yeah and the other guy's like the wrestler that has the bug head like it's just a weird group of people but in the moral of that story and that uh, toy story was that they were all awesome and they were actually nice and they didn't just kill woody on sight the way yeah. he thought they would wind the frog <laughs> so yeah if you're not part of a if you're not part of the smash community you never thought about going to a, a, a smash local or any of that stuff like Come on in, bro. It's Sid's house. You're going to be fine. It might look a little <laughs> intimidating. It might even look a bit toxic from the outside. But I promise you, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. <laughs> so um, we're going to keep up with the Smash World Tour stuff as it develops. Like, There's only you know a fraction of it done at this point. Um, and the offline part of it is still not like we don't have a day and date, I don't think, for that yet. But we'll see. And we'll talk about it more on the show as it comes up with uh, Mr. Famous Commentator over here, Mr. Trying to Outclout Me over here. Um, You're damn right. But anyway, our final topic, the final thing I want to talk about is that this week, we didn't really get like anything crazy, but um, you know how back in February, uh, Pokemon had their 25th anniversary uh, direct. We yes, kind of alluded to it earlier. Yeah, and they announced the long-awaited Gen 4 remakes, uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. And they also announced a new game called Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is like now it's like an action RPG. It's a Pokemon game that blends in action RPG elements. So we already knew these games were coming. We already saw them, you know, months ago in February. But to this week on Twitter, Nintendo just showed us like the official box art for both of these games and gave us the official release dates. And so... Um, the Gen 4 remakes Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, that comes out November 19th. And Pokemon Legends Arceus comes out next year, January 28th, 2022. Okay, so uh, real quick, what did you think of just like the box art and stuff? Like just quick impressions on like what they actually showed us. I mean, for me personally, I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I thought it'd be. It's not like, it's not anything exceptional. And you don't, when you look at the box art for both of these games, it doesn't really... Uh, tell us anything new per se it's just cool that they have like hey here's the box art 
Uh, Pokemon box art stopped being good like seven years ago. Like these, it, it's so lazily put together. Like, like I listen. I don't even use like Photoshop. Like, I've never once used a photo editing service. I could probably make that same cover. <laughs> the last cool Pokemon boxes were like Pokemon's. Like, uh, I think the Sun and Moon boxes were pretty cool. Everything yeah. else instead has been like dumb. It's bad. Pokemon Arceus, though, that's the best looking Pokemon box art in years. It's great. Yeah, I was about I to say that's really like cool. the, that one's a little different. It's not just uh, you know the the legendary with a a colored background and that's it, dude. Sword and Shield, the backgrounds for those the box art for those games, like it really doesn't look like box art, dude. Like I'm I, I just I'm getting flashbacks to that and I'm like, what? Like they shipped that? Like that should that like just looks so plain. It's just like the art, the drawn art. It's not even like a 3D render or anything special. And then it's like a really plain, like white background. Yeah, it's a white background with like a gradient blue or a gradient red being blended in. Like literally, I could have done that in in Kid Picks 15 years ago. Like, yeah, it's like it's like it's so it's so lazy and I I can't stand it. So my favorite thing about my favorite thing about Kid Picks is like when you did the undo button, they had a guy like the software. Yes. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> That's a funny dude. I used to, me and my friend used to just hit the undo button and laugh so hard. We'd crank the volume up in the middle of class and then just wait until the teacher was speaking and then just hit the undo button. And she's in the middle of talking and you just hear like a giant, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It was yeah, so that funny. Me, man. That, that brought me back. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I'm a little worried about this and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, first of all, brilliant. Di- well, let's talk about brilliant diamond, shining pearl, real quick. So I don't know if your opinions have changed at all. Like they haven't really showed us anything different. So I don't know if your opinion would have changed for any reason. But I'm like not about this at all. Like for me personally, I'm not saying these are going to be a bad remake, even though I don't think they look really good. Um, I just even if it looked amazing, I probably wouldn't go back. Um, I'm having a hard time with Sword and Shield right now, where I I literally forgot that I'm playing it. And I forgot that I'm like, <laughs> I'm not even joking, dude. Like I forgot that I'm halfway through that game because like, Pokemon games to me become fun at the end when I can go everywhere and do everything and then I can go catch them all and I could just do whatever I want. And the the single player of these games, like the campaigns, the story mode, it's it's usually not very good. Like it's, a, it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's like I've done this a million times and they're not, it's not very exciting to do. Um, so playing through diamond and pearl again is useless to me because uh i don't know if you know this you might have seen i tweeted about this but my pokemon home account i transferred everything from my pokemon bank and i've been transferring all my pokemon since the gba up into the the next generation from gba into the ds and from the ds to the 3ds and from the 3ds to the bank so i already have one of every pokemon from this generation in my bank so for me there's no reason to replay it you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. need these Pokemon and I'm not a big fan of that campaign to begin with. The, <laughs> I could just listen to the music on YouTube. So I don't know about you, but like, what are you thinking about this remake so far? Like, are you even at all interested? I don't know if for you, that's like a special remake or whatever. So to, to just kind of like give my quick thoughts again of like, uh, you know, my initial thoughts of this. Um, I love Pokemon. Like Gen 4 is the generation I hold like nearest and nearest to my heart. You know, I spent uh, a lot of my time playing Pokemon Diamond and Pokemon Platinum. Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver are like still like, in my opinion, the best like Pokemon games. Like I think that game is truly perfect. So Gen Four, I hold a lot of regard for uh, in my personal life. So 
for me, I was already like 55, 60% of the way sold on these games. And I think the rest of that will come again as I see like more from this. Because, you know, we've already seen that, you know, they're not doing the full 3D remake. It's it's, it's the chibi style art that's been shrunk down and kind of brought back into the modern age, which I'll be fine with as long as, you know, the game plays well. Like, that's more what I care about because the base diamond and base pearl, like for Pokemon games, like ran like trash. Those games yeah. were so slow. I wanted to die. It was horrible. But so as long as the game plays fast and, you know, I'm, I'm curious what new things are going to add, you know, if they're going to bring back the uh, the, 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 the sordid world uh, from Pokemon Platinum and, you know, some of the Platinum-y things uh, like I think it was like the Battle Frontier or whatever the post game for that was. So, you know, I'll be ex- excited to see what that is. We're probably going to see more of that at E3, you know, because we're in that weird times you know part of the of the year where people might not be showing their hands uh on a lot of things so i think i'm already pretty sold on these games because you know at worst it's a modernized version of one of my favorite games of all time that i can just play through again that i because i haven't played those games in a while but you know if it's you know i would i would like to see you know what bang for my book i'm gonna get like maybe we'll get uh i would personally love to see uh you know, like Sinoan versions of like certain Pokemon, you know, that, that they've been, you know, how they've been bringing in like the regional variants. Oh, um, yeah. You know, in, in, you know, in place of bringing other Pokemon, <clears throat> you know, so I think because, you know, Sinnoh has a lot of, you know, different climates and like, you know, it's it's very, uh, you know, there's like vast deserts and like, you know, snowy peaks. You know, I, I would love to see if they continue to bring regional variants into the fold, because that's been my favorite part of the, of the, you know, the last uh, two generations of Pokemon. So as long yeah. as if I got something like that, I think I'll be all right. The, the one of the problems is that soul silver and heart gold, they, first of all, gen two, I think in terms of like the games, it, it's the best games. Like gen two is like, it has all of the gens one, like genius about Pokemon, but it has like, it's starting to introduce like the holding the items and like, all the cool stuff, the modern uh, like Pokemon stuff. So Gold and Silver, when they first came out, I think those are the best games in the series. And then Heart Gold and Soul Silver made it somehow even better. And there was like a lot of post game stuff. Like as far as remakes go, like Gold, Heart Gold and Soul Silver on the DS, they set the bar really high. Like most Pokemon experts that you talk to, they'll tell you that the best Pokemon games ever are Heart Gold and Soul Silver on the DS. Um, and so. Yeah. When you look at this, like that's kind of what I, that's actually how, the only way that I would buy this game is if like they went as far as Heart Gold and Soul Silver did in terms of introducing a bunch of new stuff and a bunch of post game stuff and like making it just a really, like I don't, I personally wouldn't want it to be a one to one remake. I would want it to be like expand on it and add a lot of stuff. Even uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire on the 3DS they added a lot of different stuff towards the end. Like there's like a whole post game where you catch all these different legendaries and stuff. So I don't know, maybe that stuff's on the way and we'll see it. But like so far, if it's just a, you know, a remake of that first game of the, of the base game, I'm not super sold on it. Um, but anyway, so we'll see more about that. So that's coming this November and we'll talk about Pokemon legends RCS in a second, but the reason why I'm a little worried about this game is because November 19th is the official release date now, right? Yes. And that is the like 
when Nintendo is going to release just any company, but especially Nintendo, when they're going to release a huge game, right? That's the window that they always pick that like late November, just before Black Friday, like a month before the holidays, that's like their sweet spot for their biggest games. Mm -hmm. And so what does that tell me? That we're probably not going to get Breath of the Wild 2 this year because there's no way that they're going to put Breath of the Wild 2 next to Pokemon. You know, like those two games are going to be huge. Like this Pokemon game, even though it's a remake, it's a Pokemon game. It's going to be massive. It's going to be gigantic. So I saw that release date and the first thing I thought was like, oh my God, like don't tell me that Breath of the Wild 2 is not coming out this year, bro. So like, I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't know if anyone else read it that way. Maybe they didn't. Maybe that's why they come to this Galaxy Brain podcast because they want someone to decipher things <laughs> for them like that. But the only other thing I could think of is how like, um, so Smash Ultimate is obviously a huge game, right? And when that came out, that came out early December. So maybe, maybe it's possible that at E3, they show Breath of the Wild 2 and they're like, hey, this game is coming out early December. But man, I really doubt it. Like they're not going to put it next to Pokemon and have it cannibalize each other. They're not going to do that. Like Breath of the Wild's going to get its own like freaking like seven weeks where the nothing else is coming out. And November 19th, dude, that's the sweet spot, man. So like, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll see it early December or maybe it's just not coming out this year, bro. I'm kind of tight. <laughs> Honestly, it's 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 I I feel you. And you know, I I have I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the the four horsemen of purgatory in Nintendo's library. You know, Breath of the Wild 2, Metroid Prime 4, that Yoshi game and Bayonetta three. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced all those games are are drinking at a bar together, you know, listening to Billy Joel in the dimly lit room. So yeah, there's there's I it's it's weird, and I I knew when they announced these Pokemon games that they'd probably come out in November. Pokemon is typically a, a November release date, if I if I'm remembering correctly, most most of the time. Yeah, because it's usually their biggest game for the for that time. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they don't put Pokemon next to. Mario and Animal Crossing and Mario Kart and Zelda and Smash, they don't want those games competing because they're they're a lot of the audience is like the same audience. And like you're just not gonna do that. Like they'll put like a Pikmin game or something next to another big game because the audience is not really the same. But yeah, but this Pokemon game getting the sweet spot, like this is this is the day it's coming out. That means they probably don't have another huge mega big game that's gonna be in that window. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. But like, because again, Smash came out, Smash Ultimate came out early December in 2018. So uh, we'll see. But I don't know, man. That's not looking good for for if you were like, if you were going to kill yourself, if Breath of the Wild 2 didn't come out this year, this is uh, this is not a good sign for you. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird. And um, as someone that is now officially a Zelda fan, I will be also upset, you know, whenever <laughs> uh, Breath of the Wild 2 inevitably doesn't come out this year. Or like you said, maybe they'll drop it on Christmas. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe they'll, they'll throw us a, a bone. It's just another reminder that until E3 happens, believe nobody and, and, and everything. So it's going to be, and uh, it's going to be weird. One last thing about this. Cause the other rumor is that the switch pro is supposed to like coincide with Breath of the Wild 2, the way that Breath of the Wild 1 came out with the Switch. 
which is which they always do that. Like anytime they have a hardware upgrade like that, they always pair it with like a big game to make people want it. And again, if you're going to launch hardware, like no one ever launches hardware in December. No one. So if this would be the window, like if it was November 20th or whatever, it this would the hardware would come out then. So to me it tells me not only Breath of the Wild 2, but also Switch Pro probably not coming out this year. If if you were holding your breath, bro, you're just gonna suffocate. Like you're dead. You're deceased. Invest yeah. in a coffin early. <laughs> Start getting the holiday bundle, the summer deals on the coffins, bro. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and one last thing to add to that, that everyone keeps talking about how there's like a there is a semiconductor shortage. <laughs> yeah. yeah if that sounds if that sounds really foreign to you because uh, that just sounds really nerdy. Uh, there's a semiconductor shortage. It's basically just a very common. Uh, part that is used in all electronic devices and it's affecting everyone. It's affecting Apple, it's affecting Sony, it's affecting Nintendo, it's affecting everyone. So part of the reason why PlayStation's, the, Sony just re- revealed that um, the PS5 is selling really well, but like even though it's in, even a year uh, after it was released, it's not going to be easy to find and that you're not going to be able to find a PS5 easily until like the beginning of next year. And the, the president of Nintendo just said the same thing about the Switch that like this semiconductor thing is really messing with their supply thing. So don't expect Switch Pro this year, uh, in my opinion. Don't expect Breath of the Wild 2 this year. Like everything is in disarray. So I think E3 is going to come. I think we're going to see Breath of the Wild 2, but I don't think they're going to they're going to show us like they're going to re- give us a release date this year. Um and yeah, Pokémon, we're going to have these Pokémon remakes to hold us over. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I don't know, man. It's 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 gonna be an uh, an interesting exchange come E three because you know you want to hold out for hope. You know you want to you know think that Nintendo is is hearing us at home desperately begging for more Zelda content. Uh, and then there's you know the chance that you know the daddy might not come home with the cigarettes we've been asking. We but he said he would. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it's it's, it's, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Link said, I'm going to go get a pack of cigarettes. Hasn't been back, bro. Breath of Wild <laughs> 2, where you at, bro? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but yeah, so then the last game that we're going to talk about is obviously Pokemon Legends Arceus. And there's, you know, this game actually looks... Again, like, we could just recap it because we don't really know much about this game. We just have, like, that first trailer and the box art they showed us today. Um, it looks really cool because it's, like, actually a different kind of Pokemon game. And the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to about this game is that, like, my problem with Pokemon games and part of the reason why I kind of haven't finished Sword and Shield and part of the reason why I'm not interested in the Diamond Pearl remakes is that, like, Pokemon is still in the past when it comes to, like, it's an RPG and it plays like an old RPG and everything takes forever. And when you're walking over the overworld, you have to wait until it loads the battle screen and then you're in the other thing. And, like, these are still great games. I don't want anyone to think that I'm hating on Pokemon. I love pokemon but this game is cool because it's starting to like evolve that those elements like in the trailer they showed us um you see a pokemon in the overworld and you run up to it and you start battling it there's no like zoom in to go into another screen to the mm-hmm. battle screen like there's no difference it's it's like modern final fantasies in that way where you know you just kind of see the enemy and then it it turns into the the turn-based battling um but the, i'm a little worried about this also it has nothing to do with Breath of the Wild 2, I promise. <laughs> but <laughs> the reason I'm, I'm a little worried about this is because today they gave us the final release date, right? And that's uh, January 28th of 22. So they showed the game 
in February, right? And right. the game will be out less than a year after it was announced, even though it looks like it's been development for less than a year. You yes. know what I mean? Like, like the game looks really cool conceptually, but obviously everyone has the same. Like we made the joke on the podcast, like this game is going to ship in two versions, Pokemon frame rate and Pokemon resolution. <laughs> yes. Like that's what it looks like. Like, <laughs> like conceptually it looks really cool and I'm excited to play this game, but it does not look very finished. And you're telling me that like in February, they showed us that trailer where it looked kind of choppy. And then less than a year after that, it's going to be out like it's done. So my conclusion on that is that this game is not the big nude bold direction that people think they want from Pokemon or they expected from this game. This is a spinoff. This is going to be kind of like Pokemon Gale of Darkness on the GameCube and like those other like one-off console RPG Pokemon games where it's going to have a lot of crossover with the mainline games, but it's this is not going to be some huge expansive RPG that everyone's been waiting for. I don't know if you think I'm wrong about that or like what your impression is, but given the fact that it's going to come out so fast and that it was so like in its primordial state when we first saw it like a few months ago, I don't know, man. Like this is just going to be like a side game. Like, oh, there's a couple Pokemon, you catch them, it's kind of fun, but it's not supposed to replace the mainline series and it's not going to evolve the series or, you know, I don't know. What do you think about that? So I think one of two things. Number one, either this game has gone over like massive overhauls since that first trailer. And whenever we see more footage from this game again, probably at E3, uh, this game's going to look like a completely different person. Like it's, it's going to look like a completely different beast. Or number two, Game Freak has some inside information and they're like, you know, someone from Nintendo was like, hey, we're anticipating a Switch Plus in like, you know, late 2021 early 2022 so i mean you know i i highly doubt that that's the case they wouldn't be showcasing a game for newer gen hardware but then again breath of the wild launched on the wii u and the nintendo switch so crazier things have happened but i i do agree it feels a little soon maybe this game again is a little bit farther along in development than we initially thought and then we were seen but that initial trailer did look really rough so I, if, if they're going to be releasing this game in January, and by the way, if anything, I expect that game to be pushed back. Like, I don't know the nature of how often Pokemon, uh, Pokemon and Game Freak push back their releases because, like, we, I think we mentioned this in the actual Pokemon podcast, but Pokemon is, like, way bigger than just the video games. You know, it is a whole multimedia franchise because you have to launch it in conjunction with the trading cards. You have to launch it in conjunction with the cartoons. Everything yeah, from Pokemon right. tends, Yeah, everything from Pokemon tends <clears throat> to kind of get out of the gate together, um, which is, I think, why a lot of people felt like Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon was rushed and, like, why Sun and Moon was rushed, you know, because, uh, you know, and, and, or, and Sword and Shield rushed, excuse me. Because Pokemon is Pokemon is just much bigger than just a video game. It's an all-encompassing media mogul. So uh, maybe th uh, that's in 2022. That's when they plan on releasing like you know a new season of the Pokemon anime or, or whatever that may be. But I don't know. I just if they're gonna push this game for give this game a late January release date, this game better look like. Like, it, it better look like you know 5k like you know <laughs> avengers endgame like 5000 p when i see it on my screen yeah and that that's another thing you got to remember is that um 
All right, I will bring up Breath of the Wild too. I'm sorry, but this game is is <laughs> that's one of the, that's like, one of the tip jar, Glenn. One of the tip yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this game is even it's like you know shamelessly and in a good way like emulating a lot of Breath of the Wild 2 and like the way that you wouldn't see like a mainline Pokemon game be released near Breath of the Wild 2 with like the the Diamond Pearl remakes it it's this game is even more so like you're not this game is more so like Breath of the Wild and they're going to want to give this a lot of time by itself they're not going to release Breath of the Wild 2 near this game so it's coming out in January which to me says maybe the earliest we'll see Breath of the Wild 2 because I, I personally don't think it's 2021 anymore. This year is not happening. I think we're going to see it March 2022. And, you know, the Switch Pro, like all that stuff, they have enough time to like space that out. And like January to March is a big enough gap. But like the earliest, like I'm willing to side bet with any listener that wants to side bet with me. I will buy your copy of Breath of the Wild 2 if it comes out this year. <laughs> I promise you that I will buy you that game. I will happily, I won't even be upset. I would be so happy to buy you that game if it comes out this year, but it's definitely not. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. I mean, you're right. Like one of the things you mentioned was like, um, it wouldn't necessarily be completely unheard of for the game to look a lot better when we see it next time, which maybe maybe we'll see it at E3. Um, I, I don't know. I doubt it, but since it seems like the Pokemon announcements are always separate from like Nintendo stuff now. Um, sure. But yeah, you're right. Like on the more optimistic side, it's possible that the next time we see this game, it'll look a lot, a lot better. But I also want to remind people game freak as a company is very small and game freak as a company has never made a game that was like super visually stunning in a 3d environment. That's just like, that's not necessarily their skill set that they've proven yet. So we'll see. I mean, like even even something like Breath of the Wild, right? That's a beautiful, stunning game. It's a huge ma- It's like the biggest and most expensive game Nintendo's ever made. They had to outsource a lot of work for that game by from the Xenoblade team, Monolith Soft. You'll see them in the credits for Breath of the Wild and Grezzo. Grezzo made like the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask remakes on the 3DS. Yeah. So. These games, it's not easy to make these games beautiful, dude. Like, it's not easy. So, um, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, hopefully you're right. And, like, the next time we see this game, it'll just, like, make me shut up. Like, yo, frame rate resolution, we heard your jokes, bro. (laughs) It's coming in two versions. Pokemon Immaculate and Pokemon Pristine, baby. Smooth as butter. I thought you were going to say Conception. It was like, whoa. (laughs) Excuse me? What kind of games are we playing? Oh, boy. But yeah, so that's pretty much everything that happened in the world of Nintendo and the Smash community and our pathetic little lives in the last week. Kyle, what are you going to do with the rest of your night? Are you uh, recording an episode of your show tonight? Or what uh, I am recording an episode of my podcast tomorrow with, again, really big guests uh, coming up on the Cooped Up podcast this coming Saturday. So check me out on all platforms, if you want to, you know, stay aware with that, a certain esports commentator who hasn't been on the show yet will be joining me this weekend. Um, if you want to listen to this past week's episode, I sit down with my friend uh, Mickle, who is a TO from Ontario and a, a the founder of the um, the Royal Battle Association League, which is a Pokemon draft league. It's funny enough as we're talking about Pokemon, uh, but also all my, you know, I have seventeen episodes up of the show so far where I talk about all things pop culture, featuring some of your favorites, including Glenn twice. 
but yeah, you can check me out there. I am prepping for, uh, well, by the time this eventually hits the people, what this will come out on Sunday. This will come out tomorrow for, uh, supporters. And then on the weekend for everyone else. All right. Well, spoiler alert, I'm commentating on an offline tournament on Saturday. So I will, I will be commentating for the first time in person with some of my favorite people. Um, uh, this coming weekend. So about a time you'll see about it on my Twitter when I, when I tweet about it, which is at, at Koopa and J New Jersey across platforms. So I got to clean my room. It smells like shit in here, Glenn. <laughs> be honest with me before we go. One last thing you be, be a hundred percent honest. You think you have way more clout than me in the smash community? Yes or no? 100%. Oh, 1000%. <laughs> Judging by your guess, I, I would say that that seems to be so. I think my clout in the Smash community has shrunk, and I've, I've, I've you definitely lost. have you, you definitely have some channels that I don't have, but I also get I can walk backstage somewhere and nobody will stop me. You don't have that luxury. <laughs> I I walk backstage somewhere, so I'll be like, "Who the hell is that guy?" And they go, "Oh, that's Glintendo." I'll be like, "Oh, cool. Okay, he can come." They you they know you from far away because they know your face. People don't know my face. They just know my name from Twitter. So I'm trying to like, dude, you don't know how many times I've been to an event. Dude, this literally happened. Actually, a, a famous Sonic main. I'm not going to name him on this podcast because he doesn't deserve it. But he met me once. He met me once. And he was like, uh, I forgot how this started. But somehow we we bumped into each other. And someone was like, hey, hey, Glenn, like, uh, come over here. And then he's like, wait, you're Glintendo? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like. I thought you were some like fat, sweaty nerd or something. And I'm like, what? Like what part of my, what part of my tweets give off a fat, sweaty nerd vibe? But yeah, in the Smash community, I'm, I'm, I'm known oh. for my aggressive and amazing and ahead of their time takes. All right. I critique the game. Some people get mad because they play bad characters and I make fun of them. But my takes long term, I have a pretty good track record long term. That's all I'm going to say. So. Nostradamus wishes he had as good as a track record as you did, honestly. <laughs> the Mayans wish they had as good as a track record as you did. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and that, that's my prediction. Using all that ability and all that clout that I just mentioned, Breath of the Wild 2 not coming out this year. If it comes out this year, I will buy your copy at me on Twitter. I promise you I will buy you a copy if it comes out this year. So, yeah, guys, we're going to head out. Thank you guys for joining us, you little dudes, little guys. Um, peace out. We'll see you next week. Hasta luego. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Super Glintendo. The Glintendo podcast is a weekly Nintendo slash Smash community podcast. Our aim is to have galaxy brain conversations on all things Nintendo. If you like the show, please consider becoming a friendo and supporting on patreon.com slash Glintendo. Friendos get early access to the show each Thursday. The show then becomes free to all the following Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now and you actually like the show, please give us a good review. It helps boost our visibility so more people can find the show. This show is brought to you by our amazing producers, Naomi Eduardo, In a Yellow Flash, and the legendary Riz. Riz.